you're saying yeah, point. Erling Haaland is washed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do this. Thumbnail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> poor, poor. That's okay. disgusting from you. The main thing with Havertz, the focus would be, okay, this is who you are as a player. Make him believe that again. Make him believe this is what you're so good at. And then look, look at the points that are stopping him from being that player. Is there a player at a top club that you think is saved? by the system and then from an individual basis is there anyone at a lower yeah. club the, the inverse essentially the who's better than the system is showing this but... I met a, uh, a young lad called Endrick who okay. is the superstar if Arsenal win the league it will be because of James Rodriguez and Gareth back of course I mean of course <laughs> that's, that's where everyone's friends go The international break is here and with that it offers us the perfect opportunity to reflect on what has been nothing short of carnage during the first eight game weeks. Tottenham sit top. That's right, Harry. We can talk to Harry in a second. Could we? Tottenham sit top. <laughs> Could we? Could we? Could we? <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, level on points with Arsenal, Alex. Hey! As well. He was expecting it, though. He was expecting it. Man City aren't quite the same, are they? And the newly promoted sides are struggling more than ever before, but we still have 30 more game weeks to go. But some of the defining moments for this Premier League season could be before Christmas, and we could learn a lot about teams over the next two months or so. During this podcast of The Ripple Effect, we're going to discuss and predict all the possible defining moments that are left in 2023. 2023. Wow. That's a mad year for me. All those, look, there's two twos in that. You're young. You don't understand. I feel like I'm a robot or living in odd times now, especially in this studio. Uh, Harry Brooks joins me. Harry is a, uh, how would you, what would be your title to the world? In terms I, of your mean, profession. I mean, it is technically a professional football coach. I don't okay. work for a team. Um, I work with professional and academy footballers outside of their clubs. So I'm sure people have seen online, you know, um, footballers working with their PT outside their club. Um, it's the same thing, but in a football coach sense. So it's a three-pronged approach. I provide uh, football coaching as and when the player's schedule allows it. Um, analysis, so watching their games and providing feedback and reports. And then uh, the third thing, which a lot of people don't appreciate, but is vital, is the mentoring. So helping them navigate the, the day-to-day um, battles of football and just life in general. So that's that's it in a nutshell. Um, okay. Yeah. Amazing. And so the great thing is, we've well, not a great thing, we've had a bit of time because there's been a, <laughs> uh, the alarm's gone off. At Spotify Studio. So we've had to go outside and we've had a chat and I'm getting really annoyed because Alex keeps asking great questions. <laughs> Harry keeps answering and, and it's not being recorded. So what I will allow always on the ripple effect is tangents. Okay. Oh, so yeah. if you have, be we've, curious we've with Harry here, that's why Harry, I was desperate to get you in here because we did the under 21 podcast after England won and just, we had so many more questions yeah. and it's just, it's, yeah, it's great to have you here, mate. So oh, excited to chat to you. We're going to do a podcast obviously on everything I've just spoken about there in terms of the games that are uh, coming up between now and the end of the year. You're also importantly a Tottenham fan. So we'll talk about that as well. Alex from The Different Knock, absolutely loving your channel at the moment. And uh, you went, you got a bit ahead of yourself in on Twitter, actually, or X this what weekend. Do I say? Had to put you in your place. I'm worried. About Saliba. Oh, Saliba. <laughs> no, I stand by that. I stand by that. <laughs> is he Tony Adams? Is he so Is he, no, is he better than Maldini? Is he? Could we? <laughs> He's certainly better than <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, how are you, mate? All good? I'm good. Yes. I'm very good, sir. I'm very I'm very happy to be here with good. you lovely gents. Okay, so uh, let's, let's get into this. And yeah, if you do have any of those questions, because I'm... Um, what are some of the clubs that you kind of work with? Because I guess we've got another podcast coming out later this week where we're going to chat to uh, a doctor who 
sort of uh, focuses on uh, injuries in particular, but I kind of wanted to get a whole holistic view of, like you're saying, in terms of the mentoring of the sort of load and, and the difficulty it must be for players like Bakaya Saka or Jude Bellingham, Pedri. So that will be a podcast that's later out in the week. So if you don't want to miss that, make sure you follow the podcast. Give us a five-star rating as well if you want to be generous. Um, but what sort of clubs uh, have you worked with in your, in your time? Yeah, so I've never worked for a club. Um, Sorry, yes, yeah. Yeah, no, but, uh, you know... That, Through that, a player, obviously. That, yeah, that's not, that's not really an ambition of mine. It's weird. In terms of... You have to have relationships with football clubs for obvious reasons, whether it's uh, helping arrange a transfer move, a contract negotiation, um, recommending them a play, whatever it might be. Um, weirdly, the, the, the one club I spent a bit of time with um, was Palmeiras. I spent a week with them. Um, in a roundabout way, my Coaching. colleague. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, 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 my... yeah, we go. We <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, now. I know. I tried my best to just to get a little bit in there just to say, but I couldn't, I couldn't. There was a big language barrier. Um, oh, no, so come on, because uh, we, we were saving this story. And I need, story. To, I know, I need the story the now. And I, it, was a nice, the it, was, it was a nice segue into it, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, so basically... Did you meet anyone interesting there? Yes, I did, I did. Um, I met a, uh, a young lad called Endrick, who okay. is the superstar or young superstar that Real Madrid have officially bought, I think, for they something have. like 16 million euros last year. On a 25-year deal, I think. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so... Well, they heard um, he was coached by you, so they were like... That's oh, why they've done it. That's yeah. why I, ran, I Listen, I rang Florentino Perez and I said, listen, you've got to get this guy in, you know. Yeah. But, uh, Negotiations were stalling and then yeah, they exactly. said two words to Perez. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what was it like, you know, what's it like working with Palmeiras? It was interesting, I guess, That's, first yeah. tangent of the podcast. In terms of working over in... South America. No, 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 no. They no. came here. They came oh, here. Wow. So yeah, I've got I've got an invite to go back there with the coaches. Um, so basically, my colleague Richard, who I do the the, the coaching with, he has a, a contact that's pretty high up, and then through that developed a relationship with Palmeiras over time. So he got them invited into what was the under sixteen Premier League academy tournament, and he got them invited to it two years in a row. The third year he couldn't be there, but he needed a representative. <laughs> so poor me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I had to go do it. So yeah. Um, I picked him up from the airport, which was mental. Um, and well, we picked up Hendrik. Say again. You picked up Hendrik. All, all of them, all wow. of the players, all the coaches. Yeah, they, 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 they yeah, just Don't Jeff Hendrik. Yeah, he was just at the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was wondering why he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. And then um, I arranged a game for them to play versus Watford um, under 16s at the time as preparation. Then they went to the tournament. Um, and um, yeah, so they got an invite from the Premier League and yeah, so it was an under 16 tournament, um, but they told me um, before they arrived that we're bringing uh, a young player um, and he's the one and Palmeiras <sighs> is the best academy in Brazil. And if you're the best academy in Brazil and yeah, you've got yeah. he's the, the one, one yeah. you're pretty good. And he said he's called Indrik and he was 13 at the time. <sighs> so he was 13 playing and that's a big, those are a big three years, 13 and under 16 tournament. But he was, he was built even then like, just stocky and yeah. just an absolute brute. Anyway, the first game they played of the tournament, it was against either Stoke or Reading, I can't remember. But anyway, they were losing 2-1 and they Hendrick was warming up about 10 minutes to go and they Hendrick come back. He said, okay, here we go. Let, let's, let's see. And they brought him on and the first action, this was within the first 5-10 seconds, he picks the ball up on the left on the halfway line. He drives to the middle of two players, or at least a foot and a half higher, bigger than him, scraps past another player on the outside of him, gets into the box and rifles it bottom left-hand corner and it goes in after like five, 10 seconds, 13 years old, 2-2. Oh it's like, I've, I've never seen anything like that. That was just ridiculous. Okay, um, so so we can put to bed 
the idea that Hendrik can't do it on a cold Tuesday night against <laughs> Stoke. It's done. You've heard it here first on the Ripple Effect. That's the insight we're after. Do you know what I miss? Wow. Did you boys, just another tangent, did you read about football when you were a kid? Like when you're like seven years old, you like read like accounts of goals. Accounts? Like, of goals. Like, as in like, you know, David Beckham's goal from the halfway line. That's like the first goal I remember reading about. Was... And it was way earlier. Yeah, we were both. We it... were both. Well, how old are you? <laughs> 29. Oh, you're younger than me. Much yeah. younger than me. It was way Much better younger. in my head. Much younger, yeah, yeah. You look good for your age. Thank you, mate. Appreciate you do. <laughs> Hanging in there. But it was way better in my head. And that that goal is like, in my head, that is unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it, it, was, it, was, it was ridiculous. I've never yeah. seen anything like that. I mean, the whole academy, the whole team was... Yeah, I learned more I learned more in those five five days, seven days I was with them um, than I have from... And I don't mean this in a dis- disrespectful way. They were just that good. But any other um, English academy... Uh, yeah, that's the, fascinating. The way they do things. Well, excited. So on this second podcast, that'd be great because we can we can turn to you and to get these kind of snapshots of you know the youth structure and those players as they make yeah. their way through because yeah. I think that is a big part of it. And you know, even there, when you're saying, you know, age thirteen playing with sixteen year olds, mm. there's a, there's a debate in everything in terms of like what is the right development for a player, what is the right amount of games for mm. a player. But that will be in the second podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll park that there. So uh, first ripple effect. Going to come back to you here, Harry. You get excited. Here we go. The date that we consider Tottenham as title challenges oh. will be not today. It's not today. <laughs> it's not today. Okay. So, and I see you there at the top of the table. Here's a question I'm going to ask Flav later in the week, but I'd like to ask you yeah. as well. Is it better that um, Arsenal are there above you, but you're above them on something as annoying as goals scored? <laughs> or, or is it annoying that they're there? It's honestly it's so strange. I don't. I, Doing what I do, it's hard to be a standard fan. So you know, but I've I've, I've turned into one again this year with Ange Postecoglou. I just have. I've I've, I've got the love back. Um, yeah, it, it's not something you would expect at this stage. I think in terms of that battle with Arsenal, it's eight games in. So I think it annoys them a little bit, probably that you know Spurs are ahead on a goal scored or something. No, no, it doesn't. What <laughs> is it about? Do you think the right strategy for a Tottenham fan is to kind of go big now? Because I think there's an overall well, feeling that, that this won't, won't yeah, last. I think, I think Ange said it perfectly. And I think he's one of the only managers that I've heard say this. And I think he's spot on. Just like, you know, he was asked by, uh, I think it was a Spurs interviewer, saying, you know, do we need to temper expectations to the fans? And he says, no, let them enjoy it. Yeah. You know, like, football is, so much of football is struggle. So enjoy the moments when they are there. And if it's left with egg in your face, it's left with egg in your face. Yeah. But, you know, I think if you're starting to say, oh, we're definitely going to win the league, we're the best team, and then, all right, fine, that's a, a bit, you know, uh, preemptive. But I just think that, yeah, just enjoy it. I and think the problem with modern football fandom is that there are receipts everywhere. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and also, you know, there's so much hyperbole. Mm. I think what happens is people create fake opposition. So they'll say yeah. Spurs fans are saying mm. that they're going to win the league. No, one Spurs fan has yeah. said that got absolutely cooked on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and then everyone's now going, well, but yeah. there was a whole thing at it with Arsenal briefly about Saka having a poor start to the season. Mm. So every time he scores now, people are like, oh, and they said he had a poor start to the season. No, about two people did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. So, and yeah, and I get, even like I say articles, there'll be, I got put in an article once saying, oh, the manager's got to, something about, like the manager's got to go or something. They'd found three tweets on mm. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank or something. And I yeah. just said, that's not a good enough performance or something like that. And then they twist and they, it. Yeah, into, they take yeah. that into that. So yeah, you're right. Exactly. There's just so much noise as well. But the, I think, you know, as content creators, we both kind of live in the grey. Yeah. But the starting point 
kind of has to be, and I think that's why I love the podcast, is the starting point often with the ripple effects is that we go heavy mm-hmm. and then we can find our place in, in, in the grey. So speaking of which, so when, what is the date that Tottenham will be title challengers? So, so far Tottenham have 20 points from eight matches and sit top of the table. Their run of fixtures is favourable, very favourable. So you've got Fulham at home, guaranteed three points. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> Palace away. Lots of injuries at Palace currently. <laughs> As a result. Uh, Chelsea at home. Okay, tricky. Fair enough. But well, we'll get on to Chelsea later on because their fixtures aren't great either. Then you've got Wolves away. Then you've got Villa at home. But the defining date where they will be anointed Premier <laughs> League challenges could well be uh, the 2nd of December where they play Man City away. So with those games, Fulham, Palace, Chelsea, Wolves, Villa on the horizon... How many points do you think Tottenham should get from now until the Man City game? Wow. So that's one, two, three, four, five. Five games, Fulham at home, Palace away, Chelsea at home, Wolves away, Villa at home. I mean, they are technically at the moment, if they were, each game was to be played, they would be favourites for all of those games. But as we all know, football doesn't work like that. And and you do have to have the one game uh, at a time approach. I, I've never quite understood what, what title challenges means like it kind of uses it is there yeah. a date is there a, because it sounds silly to say but until it's impossible everyone is challenging for everyone's <laughs> trying to win the game everyone's trying to win the next game at the sure. start of the year before any game has been played everyone is a challenger so of course I'm not saying that you would expect Luton to put up a title challenge sure but I get what you're saying and I think it's I think it's a really tricky one because I think Spurs at the moment they're 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 doing fantastic and they're certainly not hanging on by a thread. But I think it will take one injury to Madison, Basuma, keeper, sent halves, and then all of a sudden now you're you're banging trouble. Mm. I don't think the I don't think Arsenal or City have that problem to the same well, maybe City do with Rodri, but um I don't think they have that issue to the same extent. But then again, you can have a list of City where every single of their key men stayed fit the entire year, had no other focus. So so many things can and will happen. At yeah. the moment, they are top of the league and that is what they're going to continue to try to do, as anyone would. I don't... In terms of how many points they're going to get in the next five games, again, it's so hard to say. They should win every game, but people probably thought that Spurs would batter Luton and, you know, they don't score any of the first three chances they get in the first seven minutes and then it turns into a, an awkward affair. Yeah. And then ascending off. So if football changes in a, in a second. From a, a, the, the perspective that you have, how good is a doggy? Because I, I I've been I've been watching him and I really like him. I think he's got quite a, a unique role in that Spurs team. Mm. But from your from an individual coach's perspective, how good do you think he is? Because oh, I think there's quite a dis. I see personally quite a disparate opinion on him. There's some people who are like this is the truth, and some people say he's massively overrated. No, I think he's immense. Yeah, I think he's immense. He's um, he's a pure footballer. He has this he has this innate ability. He's had it a few times. So he got a yellow card in both Saka and Salah early on in the game. I think. And <clears throat> he managed it well. He managed it really well, yeah, but he's still able to engage in physical duels and come out on top quite comfortably. He's so strong and powerful, but he's one of those players as well. That he's so technically efficient and clean that he's, you know, he's able to just glide with the ball and the ball doesn't really change how he runs. Mm-hmm. It's just completely natural. He's got a lovely instinct and awareness of where to be at the right time. He's got a lovely disguise in his first touch. He's, he's a proper footballer. You could put the doggy in 
you know, he, there's a few times he's popped up in, in on the right hand ch- ch- inside right channel, yeah. and he's and he's and he's found something out of it. He's just a pure footballer. I think he's immense. Yeah, uh, I'm always um, fascinated by like the mix of the mix of ingredients that can make a team better than what you would see on paper. So, mm. for example, Newcastle, even at the weekend, you look at some of the players on that pitch, and I'm yeah. still trying to sort of it sounds really harsh, but kind of wash away the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because of yeah. what. And what he's done, and again, say that PSG game last week, when you see when you see the players on the opposition side, yeah. and then you see that 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 Newcastle side and, and what they're doing, I felt I've, this is this isn't a sort of charged question, but I, honestly, can you see some of Arsenal last season in Tottenham this season? Yeah, yeah, because absolutely. I think there's a lot of players last year that you were sort of, you know say Gabriel and even Saliba, who people were going, I remember doing a video saying he will be the starter for Arsenal this yeah. year. And people were going, what are you on about? It's going to be Ben White playing that position. Now there's a and tactical... now he's better than Maldini. So it's, just, it's, it's crazy. Crazy how these, these things work out. There's a tactical change that obviously made a bit of a difference, right? But the power of the manager, yeah, the power of the manager and then the adding of expectation, yeah, because that's the sort of the next wave that you're dealing with as, a, as an Arsenal team now. So how... How much do you think it's on? How much has Postacoglu done here to sort of change these players, or has he actually got pl- better players than we thought he had because it was just so ugly last year? I, th- I yeah. Jokes aside, I genuinely really like Ange. I think mm. he, I think he, and I think that's important. And I, and I think you know, it's like, well, so what? It's football. It's not, no, 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 no. I think I, I think having a someone who understands people and yeah. the way he speaks and the way yeah. he. You know, we were, we were speaking about it before. You know, you're saying about, you know, you can do, you can go up to U, UEFA A. If you can't synthesize information, if you can't get your message across, if you can't speak to people, look them in the eye and recognize that, oh, today that person needs this, today that person needs that, it doesn't matter. You can't, yeah. you, your ideas, you can have the best ideas in the world. If you can't get them across and people don't follow you, yeah. it doesn't matter. So credit to Andrew. I, th- I think something that's changed in, in my football thinking, even over the last like six months, is the importance of environment. I think I used to see it more as like, well, that player's better than that player, so he should, he should, you know. Yes. If you put out eleven players who are better than the other eleven players, you should win. Mm. I think environment may be the most important thing in football. It, it may yeah. be like, you know, in terms of the tactical environment, in terms of the, you know, sun at Roy Keane or dressing room, but you know, like, <laughs> you know, the, all these things that they, I do think, because you, you, you're right, you look at certain players in certain teams, and how many examples do we have of a player who looks absolutely? dog in a certain team ooh doggy and uh <laughs> didn't work and um and then co- comes need to say that co- 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 <laughs> yeah yeah comes into another team and just looks absolutely insane and you, and you yeah. realize it's it's weirdly I, I compare it to habits in a sense in in habits is losing his way in my opinion in the midfield and I'm, i don't want to talk about habits particularly but i think what happens when you move into center forward and why he looks better is his actions are simplified it's more clear in my opinion what a center forward at arsenal needs to do in terms of the, the 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 simplification of, I only have a few options. I right. hold the ball up, I give it off. As a winger, and you'll be able to speak about this better than me, but in my opinion, as a winger, there's there's only, your actions are kind of limited. There's only a certain amount of things you can do from that position. As a midfielder, there's loads of things you can do, and I think when you reduce that that down and you have only a certain amount of things you can do, it, it simplifies it. And I think that sort of extrapolates out to a wider thing where you put someone in the right environment, you give them the, the, the tools and say, you only get, you know, not get to do, but you only have to do these simple actions. Mm. It can simplify what it is. And Andrew's clearly got his message across and said, look, here's what I need you to do. It's super simple, super clear. And the environment then takes everything. And somehow 
quite different styles, I would say, with Arteta and, and yeah. Postacoglu, and but styles that I think fit the clubs. Like so, for for Postacoglu, it feels like obviously there there's a clear philosophy there, but it's it's a, actually a sort of um, he's giving them a bit more freedom. Yeah. Whereas with Arsenal, I think that it's far more um, it's far more structured, and kind of actually the difficulty this year. So what I think is interesting as well, which clouds a lot of it, and I kind of I said this in um, in my match reaction for for Arsenal was the fact that like you can you can say okay, well this proves that they're title challengers for for Arsenal, but it's it's actually just about the winning and lose the winning and losing creates this sort of fog mm-hmm. massively. Like Man City aren't going anywhere; mm-hmm. they are missing Kevin De Bruyne, and that is a huge part of this. And Arsenal. We obviously we don't know where they are just yet, but in terms of that structured nature of them defensively, it feel, I can't totally figure out if you've lost an element of fluency and freedom. Mm-hmm. I think you have, yeah. Um, but you've created a new kind of resolve, and right now, yeah. because you're getting a win against Everton, uh-huh. because you're getting a win against Man City, when it's it's not free flowing stuff, whereas last year you're popping off teams. Yeah. It's a it's a hard one to truly define right now in October. I think, from, from from my analysis and my viewpoint, I think we've lost access to the central areas. That's that's one of the main problems. It's partly because teams are blocking the middle, but we've lost access to zone 14, whatever you want to call it, that access into that area. Now, last season, Arsenal were had the highest, I think we had like five players in the top five and most progressive uh, passes in the entire league in terms of volume of passes, right? We had Thomas Partey, Martin Odegaard, Ben White, Zinchenko. This season, we have... Declan Rice is our first entry at 16th in terms wow. of progressive passes, in terms of volume. What we do have is carriers. We have people on the wing in terms of Sacco Martinelli who have unbelievable progressive passes receive numbers and unbelievable progressive carries numbers. But what that means is you enter the final third much further to, to the side and it takes longer and it's harder to get in. To, or you have to go back round. You have to go back round to yeah. get in. So I think that's part of it. Part of it is losing Thomas Partey because he's one of our most progressive players from the, from the centre and we saw it with the goal at the weekend. With He just goes direct straight mm. up to, to Tommy Asu and who knocks it down. So yeah, I, I, th- I think that now we're on this, I think, I think the structure the structure element is interesting because I do think with the addition of Declan Rice we've become we you can't just take Declan uh, take Thomas Partey out and put Declan Rice in and expect the same results because then you a underrate what Thomas Partey did but you b don't respect that Declan Rice has a different skill set you have he has a, di- a different way of approaching it so you have to approach progression from a different way that may be a choice and I'm sure it is let's be clear I'm sure Arteta's thought about this <laughs> I know so, this yeah. Arteta doesn't <laughs> no I'm, I'm sure he I'm sure he thinks things about this but but I think a lot of I think we're maybe sacrificing a little bit of that exciting fluidity that we had last season which maybe Ange's you're seeing under Ange now yeah. for a little bit of de- defensive stability because I thought um, that game against Man City was our best out of possession performance maybe ever under Arteta huge claim but maybe the, the one thing I would come back to that um, you know as time progresses where you you're, you may have the uh, lack of uh, ability to break teams down because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of mixed two points here first of all defensively I thought Arsenal were really really strong I do also think that as a as a back four without the ball, they were able to stay within the eighteen yard box a lot more easily than they would against uh, a different Man City team where they played with a bit more width. yeah natural width. So yeah. that allows you to stay compact, which I think makes life a little compact. bit easier. Compact. The second thing that I want to talk about is in terms of going forward, 
and because this is the thing is you we will analyze a man city game but that's not gonna some people are saying that like oh well you know you get six points against man city that could be the difference i disagree i actually think it's it's all it's a mix of of both obviously you need to be taking those points because they are six pointers not literally but you have to be able to beat the other guys and i forgive me if it wasn't you but i think when you were on last time you were kind of talking about uh, Jurgen Klopp with Liverpool when they got to the title there was a sort of uh, a, it was a bit more free-flowing and then you had that they had that good season but then the year after that it was a case of oh okay can we almost like grind down teams and make sure we're not conceding goals it's and a it, good this point feels like I wouldn't next, have said it right this feels like the <laughs> In terms of that development of a team, yeah. for Arsenal, the positive spin on it, which I think is the truth, because it's so, it feels a, a far less flimsy Arsenal. Mm. I mm. think you will be able to beat the one nil to the Arsenal could become quite a regular yeah, thing here. Hundred percent. But I mean, the problem I feel like you have a little bit is there does seem to be such a need for Saka and Martinelli to be there and fit and free flowing as well because they are yeah. they're so important to you guys. Yeah, and, and kind of as you mentioned, football changes so quickly. It might be that you know. Trossard comes in as a left eight and then that solves it. Well, who, who knows? Well, uh, from, from your perspective, what do you see as Ange's style? Because, like, obviously, to, to some degree, you can see it, but I feel like someone who's a, who's a fan, obviously, works with players and stuff, you'd be able to explain it better. What do you, what do you see that as? So, in comparison to sort of like, you know, you made a point earlier, James Beck, do you see um, last year's Arsenal and this year's Spurs? Um, as managers, you talk about Arteta and Guardiola. They're 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 one end of the spectrum in terms of they like to control as much as they can mm. in possession and out of possession. So they almost try to find an algorithm or formula to win. Sure. And if you do A B C, it yeah. should lead to D E F. That's yeah. that's their idea. Which you saw brilliantly last year because you generally had the same team and you had the same passing networks every single game. And yeah. it, they, yeah. they people knew what they were going to do, but they were doing it so quickly that they yeah. were able to both control and hurt the opposition. Yes, but the problem with that is that it is easy to read. You are able to do tons of pre-game analysis on it in terms of the opposition. So managers like that, they are constantly they don't they don't change the entire philosophy, but they have to constantly tweak what goes in within that philosophy. So you saw Pep used to do the inverted fullbacks. He done John Stones moving into midfield last year. So the, the ideas don't change, but the approach changes just to keep teams guessing. Mm. And just slightly different in terms of, of course, their structure, but he allows a lot more freedom. It's a lot harder to predict what Spurs are going to do and how they're going to create chances. One second, Madison will be popping up and picking the ball up of a doggy deep. The next minute, he's playing combination football on, you know, the right hand side with Kulachevsky and Pedro Porro. You know, and he's just an example. One minute, you know, they'll they'll they've had a tactic a few times this year of Perisic coming on and you know putting in dangerous balls quite early. Mm. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Mana Solomon that likes to go more weaving and out. So, the, the the everything is the the whole idea is about you know being brave, attacking, uh, intense, um, aggressive on the ball, aggressive off the ball. But within that, of course, there's framework and a structure, but there is more freedom within that. Mm. Um, so you can see players they feel free on the pitch and they're being best utilized to do what they do best. You know, I I personally don't. I don't believe, I've said this a few times, I don't believe in positions. I, I don't know, like, you can have a, a left winger like Martinelli, who is a left winger on paper, but then you could have Jack Grealish, a completely different left winger. You know, someone asked me before the game if Saka isn't going to play, um, can Havertz play on the right wing? 
And most people will say, no, of course he's not a right winger. I'm like, well, okay, he's not a right winger, but what is he? He's someone that is best at arriving inside the box. He's someone that is very good at, you know, potentially linking play quickly, ghosting into areas. He can, you know, um, win aerial duels now and again. So can that be done from that right wing zone? Well, of course it can. Yeah, sure. But if you're asking him to get the ball deep and wide and asking him to go 1v1 and, and, and carry the ball into the yes. box, well, no, we can't. But mm. that's the same whether you put him in that area of the pitch or that area of the pitch. So but I think it's more about best utilising sure. what they've got. And I think that's what Ange is, is doing really well as well. Yeah. I think it's well, what do you need and where do you want to get to as well? So like, say with, I thought Gabriel Jesus uh, in that game was a poor man's sacker to a point because yeah. he wanted the kind of ball to feet out wide and then could kind of drive a little bit. And there was mm. one moment in particular where it felt like Zinchenko got it to Jorginho, got it to Odegaard and it, you could see it open up. Yeah. And he wanted Gabriel Jesus to start in that position and drive in behind mm. and get in behind. Mm-hmm. So to your point, but he didn't. And it, it sort of got played to him and they were safe. Man City were safe. Whereas what you're saying, say like with Havertz, and when you're talking about positions and things like that, it's about what's going to get you where you want to be. So yes. if you played Havertz as a right winger, yeah. you could... Uh, Zinchenko, who was struggling to get the ball through that area, he could play a sweeping ball to Havertz, who could win a duel and knock it into the area that... I've just described yeah. that I wanted Jesus to be in the first place and you could have played Jesus yeah. as a central striker yeah. already gambling yeah. on that moment. So there's so many different ways that it, it can be played out. What I, what I like about, what I think is really positive about both teams right now is that, and you and Arsenal fans will turn their nose up at the Tottenham element of it or some will and, and vice versa. But I think the principles and the, the, the beliefs around Arsenal and their what their fans want to see mm. is... And I saw this, um, they did uh, on Sky did this word association thing with Arteta and they said, what, what's the word you think of when you think of Arsenal? And he said, class. he said class, exactly. <laughs> he said class, but but class and what Arteta's done is he's dragged, he's dragged them up to a point, but kind of a- alongside them in terms of his career trajectory. But he's, he's set standards, very clear standards. And this is where we need to get to. And this is how we behave. And Aubameyang or Ozil or whoever, off you go, because this is where we've got to be, because we are class. We are all those things. And it's worked, especially with young, malleable players. With Tottenham, it's interesting. It's such a different way. For me, it's it's not the like, come on, we're going over here. It's it's a little, it's a sort of father figure going, it's okay. It's a little like mm. nudge towards, and it's a freedom. Yeah. Because that's, Tottenham have been... For, I think for Tottenham, it's about how. And I think that's really come into focus this year because they haven't won those things. So it has to be about mm. how. I actually think it's harder to have long-term success with... And again, it is, every situation is different. Um, but it can be harder to have long-term success with an Arteta approach because you've got... It's all governed on what he sees and what he wants and their roots and their plans and their formulas. You constantly have to adapt them. And to keep having the change in the form- formula and to keep making it work that can be really, really difficult because mm. there's only a certain amount of possibilities he's giving the players on the pitch. Obviously, anything can happen and players will always have an element of instinctiveness, but I'm talking long-term. So there's only, you know, the players have to put in the, 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 the plans that he's wanting. So if they get blocked off or they get red or they get closed, they find it difficult. Um, whereas with someone like Ange, there's infinite amount of possibilities because there's no, you must do it this way. Yeah. Of course, there's ideas and of course, there's certain things. You know, people speak about the inverted fullbacks as if it's like a, it's not, it's not, it's not a guarantee. It's not, it's not a set in stone thing. You know, they were struggling versus Man United with, in the first bit, in mm. the first half, with inverting their fullbacks because Man United's forward line found it easier to cut those passing lanes because they were narrow. All they done in the second half was stretch one of them wide up. Poro, if I remember right, 
putting wider and I would also may not have had a big issue. So it's more about, and of course Arteta is constantly adapting, but it is harder to have long-term, long, long-term success doing it my way in terms of you must do it this way again and again, unless you have like the, the, the blank checkbook. Well, he, um, well, I think he has to see it first. Yeah. And that's what Pep Guardiola has done. Yeah. And, and if you know, there are those comparisons there. So the pressure is on Arteta, but as long as he can see it first. And I think the other thing yeah. is from, say, like that Fergie and Pep point of view, there's going to come a moment, actually, in the next two years where... Arteta will have to be quite ruthless again yeah. with one or two. Maybe not all of them. And I think what will be difficult there is that they're, and maybe it's happening with David Rea, obviously, in Ramsdale now, but like you have to have, um, you have to keep evolving it to keep it, to keep your have sort to. of grip on it. You, you certainly like, saw that with Fergie, like we've been watching the Beckham documentary recently. Like mm. there were those moments he goes, well, okay, you're gone. You can, more and more you hear about Fergie, Man United, the more manipulation you can see there. And yeah. that's, that's something that kind of Arteta will have to do. But as long as he can see it first, mm-hmm. You're in a yeah, really listen, good he's, pro- he's proven yeah, exactly. he's a, he is he's proven he's a fantastic tactical mind and a coach. So I would back him to be able to keep adapting that. Mm. But it is a very difficult thing to be able to do. Of course, it is longevity is is so difficult. Kai's, um, um, Kai, my producer, is probably screaming in his head right now because I've, we've got so much more to talk about. So I'm going to keep it moving here. So what could happen if Tottenham win the league? Spurs win the league, Harry Kane will return. <laughs> Spurs allegedly have a buyback clause <coughs> on Harry Kane if they win the league. If No, sorry. Harry, Harry, sorry. Spurs allegedly have a buyback clause on Harry Kane. Full stop. <coughs> if they win the league, they may well be enough to, that may well be enough to tempt him back with the guarantee of actually challenging for trophies. Kai, there's no need for that. Also, if he wins the Bundesliga, he may be happy with that and come back to Spurs. Do Spurs even want him back? If you finish in the top four, do you want Harry Kane back yes. in the summer? Yes. If you win the league, do you want Harry Kane back? Yes. If Harry Kane... Well, uh, help me negotiate here. What's, is there ever a world where you don't want Harry Kane to come Harry back? Harry Kane no. posts an Instagram story of him burning a Tottenham shirt. Do you want him back? Bring him in. He scores goals, doesn't he? He's the best number nine in the world. I think that, you know, if you have the best number nine or forward in the Big strike, claim. call it in the world. Big claim. I remember, so we did we did some videos on, on Ange Ball and we thought, Richa- oh, Richarlison, this could really work for him because, you know, sacrificial striker that often is the case. Yeah. You see what Son has done. Yeah. Does it, it's great that Son's there and he's got, he's so technically great in terms of his finishing ability. He's lost a bit of a yard, so it works better with him through the middle. But does that then make you go, do you know what we could have done with <laughs> Harry Kane? Like totally would have worked. Here. Can I? Can I just press on why? Why do you rate Kane over Haaland? If that's what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got way more uh, facets to his game that makes him difficult to stop. So Haaland is a phenomenal striker, but he's phenomenal at doing some very specific things. If the ball is is if the pass into him is blocked or cut off. He's not going to create his own chance. He he hasn't got variety to his game, so that's why you can see he will still score a ton of goals because he'll score it in 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 he'll pad it. You know he'll have games, three games in a row where maybe he gets two, two and three or something. And but you can see that actually you know the job that Saliba done in him, and then people are forgetting to talk about it. The job that Dawson done in him last week, and the job that both teams done to block the pass, passes mm. into him. Now that is easier said than done. But you can't really do that with Kane in the same way because Kane can 
One second he's dropping into deeper to get on the ball on the half turn and, and, and spray it wide. The next minute he is getting into the box and, you know, winning headers. Um, there is way more variety to Kane as well as still scoring a ridiculous amount of goals. I think the Haaland thing for me, I think people have just totally missed this, is that the amount of goals, almost like cheat codes. And there was a game, it might have been a group game or it might have been, it might even have been in the knockouts. Man City played Dortmund and they weren't playing well. And they were getting, obviously, like any team throughout the season, especially when you're Man City, I think Arsenal were having this a little bit as well. So the opposition go, you're better than us. So we're going to just try and stop you. That's the mindset now, right? But the amount of times that De Bruyne got on the ball in line with the 18-yard box, and there's so many goals like this now. Trippier does it all the time as well. They try and fashion chances so that he can have the ability to cross from that, that spot. Trent the same. De Bruyne would cross it to the back post. And to your point, the thing about Haaland, one of the things about Haaland is... He's a monster. So mm-hmm. if you put that ball on the back post, the amount of goals that he got from that, he was it was a bit of a cheat code at one point. You see, Nicholas and not Jackson's, De Bruyne there. You don't yeah. have that. You see, Nicholas Jackson's goal at the weekend. Haaland doesn't score that. Haaland has that first touch and he has to crash it in immediately after or take it first time. He hasn't got the mani- ball manipulation and the class to go. Okay, I'll change feet and I'll go this way. I'll sell a dummy. I'll sell a fake. Now you don't have to be good at everything, but. And, and Kane isn't good at everything, but if we're talking about the very best in the world, I think it is. So you're saying, so you're saying Harry, no, actually, you're saying yeah, point. Erling Haaland is washed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do this. Thumbnail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> poor, poor. That's okay. disgusting for let's, you. Let's crash on. <laughs> crash on. Uh, what could happen, uh, what could happen if Arsenal win the league? Well, if Arsenal win the league, it will be because of Hamas Rodriguez and Gareth Bale. Of course, I mean, of course, that's that's where everyone's brains go. So regardless of Kai Havertz's performances from now until the end of the season, him winning the aerial duel against Man City that led to Martinelli's deflected shot could be the single biggest impact of an Arsenal player this season in terms of individual moments. You know that? Wasn't it Tommy Asu on the duel? Oh, yeah. Well, he brought it down. He brought it down oh, and then okay. played it in. Okay. But did you Sorry, know? <laughs> yeah, shame on you, Kai. Uh, but did you know that this moment actually stems from James Rodriguez and Gareth Bale in the summer of 2020... There were numerous clubs chasing Kai Havertz, with Real Madrid being one of them. But Real Madrid had too many players on high wages they needed to shift before making what would have been a £75 million move for Kai Havertz. They ultimately failed to move Bale off the books permanently, and he was loaned. Uh, Bale was loaned to Tottenham. James Rodriguez did, in fact, move permanently, but he actually left on a free transfer unexpectedly, which meant that Real saw no cash for him. This put an end to Havertz's pursuit uh, from Real Madrid and Frank Lampard signed him for Chelsea. So Arsenal may have Daniel Levy and Farhad Mashiri to thank for Havertz potentially winning them the league. You're welcome. Um, I'll tell you what, just one question on Kai Havertz. Um, where are you at currently with him now? I, I did uh, I did ESPN last week and I thought it was a really good question. Uh, we asked Harry this and and he argued that that shouldn't be put on him. But the question was... Will he score 10 goals this season, Kai Havertz? Uh, my argument was that he, if you get bought and you're playing in that position for the team that's going to win the league, you should be getting 10 goals in a season. Yeah, Is I, that unfair? I say? don't think that's unfair. I think uh, two, two things. I think firstly, the perception of what he is isn't helping him in the sense that obviously there's the, all the Chelsea stuff as well. But I think if he was bought in as a kind of obvious midfielder if everyone went and and i'm putting this into basic terms because i think this is in the wider football context if he came in as a cm or a cam 
Jesus. Uh, like, you know, if he came in in everyone's minds in that way, yeah, I think he's judged in a very different sense. But I think people, but basically, I think people thought he came in as a false nine. I think that's essentially what I think most Arsenal fans, if he'd said, we've bought Kai Havertz, put him in a position, I think they would have said, he's a false nine. So then he gets put into a certain category and you get the 007 stuff and you get, you know, you get all that stuff of him not scoring and assisting. So I think that's that's going against him. However, I think firstly, I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier in terms of I think his, his decision making is simplified, in my opinion, when he's playing centre forward for Arsenal, which helps him, so he looks better there. And I think in central midfield, when you're when you have no confidence in something, I think the best thing to do is to go back to absolute basics and then work your way through. If you're trying to paint a, a painting, you do you wouldn't say to a kid, okay, just paint anything you like and then expect it to be a work of art. You'd go, okay, try and paint a tree, okay, paint a tree, da da da, and then you build up and build up and build up until you go, you got free reign. And I think at the minute, Kai Havertz has such little confidence that when he receives the ball, he doesn't want to drive into space. He doesn't want to make an action quickly because I think he. I think we spoke about this last time. People need different things. And this is one of the brilliances of, of Angela, I can see even from an external perspective, but also Arteta. Kai Havertz needs to play through this, in my opinion, right. to regain that confidence. But someone like a, let's say, uh, I don't know, a, 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 a Ramsdale, he might be someone you need to drop if you wanted to get a response out of him because he feels like that sort of person on an individual basis. Harry, can I ask you, if you were working with Kai Havertz, what would what would you be doing with him? Um, I would, both on a mental side I think as well because I think that's yeah, important yeah, yeah I, he reminds me a lot of the way Deli Ali played in terms of he's not the one where play is going to run through you he is going to be the one on the end of it so he's going to get either the final key pass or the final shot inside the box and that kind of thing and yeah uh, with those kind of players it can be very difficult because you are almost completely reliant on the service into you. You're not going to fashion your own chances. Um, so, I mean, it's a very difficult one. If I was with him right now, I would be doing that. So let me, let me broaden it out. Yeah, so on. so say you, you've got an... Because uh, I think what's important here is always is an attacking player. Yeah. So when you're an attacking player, it can be about numbers a little bit. So well, so what if it's a... You know, you got... Yeah, it doesn't matter if they're young or not, but a player going through a, a difficult patch and they're an attacking player, what would you go to? Well, you, you have to look at their game. So the first thing I'll be doing is I'll be watching these games with Havertz and I would say, right, your best asset is you are, have got a brilliant timing of ghosting into the areas to get on the end of things. I would be going through your games and we'll be picking out the points you're not doing that and the times you are doing that because that is what your game is built on. And then it depends on their approach when they're in that position because... It could be a situation where, for example, he's in that. Let's say he make. Let's say he's making those runs. Okay, fine. Box ticks. You're doing those runs. Good. Happy days. Ah, uh, but you're getting the ball, and then when you're getting in those zones, he's you, missed a few chances. You, you're missing chances, mm-hmm. and then okay, why are you missing those chances? Are, are you rushing them? Are you are you are you are, are you taking too long on them? So you just go. So you you look at who he is as a player, and you and you go through the aspects that will make him better, and then. You know, in an ideal sense, you get all the time in the world to work on the other things, like his ability to stay on the ball longer, his ability to carry the ball better, his ability to to, to clean his, his 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 ball connection up. You know, things like that. But you know, you don't you, you don't get that time now mm. with with players at that kind of schedule. So it would be more the the, the main thing with someone like Havertz would be, of course, that there should be technical work going on. There should be individual work going on every single day at these clubs. Um, on the ball and off the ball. But um, the main thing with Havertz, the folks would be okay. This is who you are as a player. Make him believe that again. Make him believe this is what you're so good at, and then he- look look at the points that are stopping him from being that player. 
and I then work on that. Because I, th- I think he, he looks a little lost to me. And I think sometimes yeah. that can be due to the fact that you're, um, especially an attacking player, you, you're often like, you're the guy. Yeah. And, and you can solve the problems. And I think both in an Arteta team, but also this Arteta team, he's both in a sort of system where you've got to kind of be selfless, okay, swap positions with Martinelli or whatever it is. So you're not the guy from that point of view, but you're also just not the guy. Like, you, you know, because it's Odegaard and it's Saka and it's Martinelli. And as an attacking player, I think that's, I think that's something that he's struggling with as well. Mm. Because he, I think he feels a bit lost in terms of his own kind of worth. Yeah. I, I think mm. that's a tough one to, to, to come out of. There's a moment against PSV where I think we're two or three nil up and he gets the ball sort of in the inside right channel and he's ahead. He's, he's ahead of his of his two men and he could drive into that space immediately cuts back. It's only one moment, but that was just the moment for me where I go. One of the biggest, biggest issues footballers can face is overthinking. Overthinking is is a is a bad, bad thing for footballers because it is such an instinctive sport that mm. it is very normal to overthink. And thinking of failure, I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. It's very and that's why you're 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 so fearful of the failure. You're overthinking the process rather than just playing, just trusting. Mm. And that is very difficult to do because then you're no longer playing instinctively. Mm. And then when you, and football is an instinctive sport. I know we're saying about, you know, you've got predetermined routines and plays, but it's, it's, it's so quick. Yeah. You've still a, got the ball and you still got to keep it's it. It's an instinctive yeah. sport. And he, at the moment, isn't playing with instinct. He's playing... He's trying to make. He's trying. To, he's overthinking things, and that is. Uh, and that is. That is a big job I have when I work with players. Players that go through losses of form. It's nine times out of ten. A lot of it leads to them overthinking. Sometimes you can try too hard. Sometimes you don't try hard enough, and it, and it, you're no longer natural. What does that come from? Though? Because <clears throat> is that come? Is that a coach giving them too much information? Is it could that... be a, they, 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 every situation is different. It could be who they are as a person. Who they are. someone like James Madison. He is not an overthinker at all. He is so trusting of his own ability and is is instinct to go, I'll fix it, I know what I'm doing. Other players, they want the the structure around them. They want that, I want to be told to do this there and then. I want that. Some players, uh, that you can't break their confidence. Other players, you can. There's no rule set to it. It's about understanding who the person is, who the player is, and what makes them tick. And I think uh, Madison's a great example because I think we've have it. I think it's an accumulation because we've all seen the clips of, you know, uh, at Leverkusen yeah. and, and often moments initially at Chelsea as well but the accumulation has been and again this is what I mean with an attacking player especially someone like you say is he you know is he a striker is he mm. not a striker mm. like where is he playing you still he's still kind of going to be judged on numbers a little bit whereas Madison <laughs> is, is both of the things I've spoken about which was even at Leicester even at Leicester in a team that got relegated he's the guy yeah. and, and but it's also within his personality as well and he's yeah. then gone to another team where he's the guy yeah. whereas Havertz he's not got that and I he's think got, it's over time he's got second album syndrome who has Havertz Havertz go on well because you know he's coming in he's gone in at Leverkusen he's working with those instincts which you're mentioning mm. and I think he's then going well that all made me good and now I'm really having to think about well, what what does make me good? I'm really thinking about his game, and it felt like at Leverkusen he played with just that pure instinct. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and, and how also, you get he's out gone, of that is really hard. And he's like, gone into two incredibly pressure pressurized um, scenarios as well. Yeah. You've yeah. got Chelsea, which is Chelsea, yeah. and then you've got Arsenal, which is you know it, he's um, he's a, a guy who is supposed to elevate them a little bit, and that's why for me I, I thought that they should have started the season with Trossard. Because I think Trossard, you, he, so maybe Trossard's ceiling's not what well, Havertz is, but I think with Trossard, he's Premier League proven, mm. and you could have then sort of brought him in a little bit, and it's like, come on, we want to see Havertz instead of he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that, that yeah. sometimes that I don't know. So the playing through it, I think, is 
I don't know, a little bit complex. It's, it's tough. It's tough. But he's, yeah, I guess he's just got to hang in there, isn't he? Uh, Man United, speaking of hanging in there, good Lord. <laughs> Man United's hell month that is about to ruin their season. The, the, so we're going to get to some fixtures now. Uh, for a lot of clubs, there are some big, big games on the horizon. So we will find out if Tottenham are title contenders in the next five <laughs> games and that Man City game, of course, as well. So Man United's hell month will ruin their season. The fixtures in the lead up to Christmas could cause havoc for Man United's hopes and dreams. And there may not be a Christmas miracle to save them. <laughs> He's amazing, isn't he? A wordsmith. <laughs> I know, unbelievable. Uh, Man United's fixture run from the 29th of November to Christmas Day looks like this. So on the 29th of November, Galatasaray away. Of course, they've, so they've got to go to hell in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> um, then they've got Newcastle. Then they've got Chelsea. So Newcastle away. Oh. That's St. James's, yeah. yeah. Chelsea at home. Then on the 6th of December. Then they've got Bournemouth uh, on the 9th of December. Bournemouth may well have a new manager by then. And if that was the case, there's going to be the new manager bounce, which isn't ideal for Man United. Um, then they've got Bayern Munich in their last Champions League game. Then they've got Liverpool away. <laughs> and then they've got West Ham away, which doesn't sound too bad. But West Ham are playing great stuff. They are very difficult to break down. And who are they managed by, Alex? David Moyes. David Moyes. So David Moyes, obviously, will be up for that one. And the narrative will be strong. I was just thinking about Mark Goldbridge's YouTube views. They're going to be incredible, aren't they? Every, do you know what? If, if you'd asked me seven years ago, what's the industry and what specific things should you do if you want to yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure you've got enough money just to keep, you know, keep the lights on. Start a Man United. Yeah. My guy got 100k on a stream. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's like, God, he's incredible. What he's he does, amazing. Right? He's so good. What he I have no so idea good. what that means. That means nothing to me what you just said. I have no idea. It means, it means, it means cash a lot. money. It means money. It means you, money. You know about things that actually matter. So. <laughs> but do you know what? Like, so I started in football media in 20... 50, late 2015 right and since then it's been I think it was David Moyes then Van Hal, yeah, yeah, then yeah. Mourinho yeah. oh my god it's just year after year after year chaos after chaos and this year this year with Man United I think we all thought there was you know okay maybe it'll maybe you've got a guy who's figured it out when we're talking about you know I guess it does always keep coming back to the managers because we've spoken about teams and squads and how, okay, the names aren't really there, but they're playing great football. We talk about, we've spoken about expectation. We've spoken about the figurehead and how they sort of solve these problems. Like, where are we at with Man United? Is there just always going to be a circus around it? And is that circus always going to be there regardless of the ownership? Because I know people kind of revert to that. But, you know, this is Man United. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was pretty good. It was okay. Um, when it's Man United, that circus is going to remain regardless yeah. right so with this month it could get really really yeah. ugly and i heard on the radio a lot over the weekend about eric ten Hag being if they lose this one and they only just about won it yeah then being in huge, huge trouble and look, the road ahead it looks ugly i'm not putting all of this on ten Hag at all because there's so many facets that go into it but from what i see just looking you know on the outside and watching how they play out of the traditional top six and you know what? You could put Villa in there. You could put Newcastle in there. Brighton in there. West Ham as well. They they are. I think they are the worst. They look like the worst coached and prepped team out of all of those. Fascinating. I think um, it's like. What makes you though say that? Because it looks like they're preparing to go down one way, 
and then doing a completely different thing that, that, that it doesn't align. It's like it's like a child that was since since one or two years ago, and it's carried on since then. It was like a child on FIFA buying the best players and just mm. sticking them in and not knowing any idea of what what is the long term goal of this. Yeah. And I just I don't know what they're even trying to achieve right now. I don't. You don't have to have a specific set way of playing, but it doesn't make sense to be preparing, saying and wanting to do this thing, but then the approach completely going against that. And that is the that is what I get right now. Yeah. Um, I don't see that fixing because now what it is is it's absolute chaos. It's you you are you are surviving. You are surviving, not making mistakes, and you are surviving by waiting for moments that the, the McTominay double right that wasn't a do you see a striker in there no I see I've a, just put a video out saying exactly oh, that <laughs> but I've always academy level, academy level but I have always there. I have always liked McTominay Same. and I've always thought he is really good at identifying space in the box and getting in those areas and he's a good ball striker he's got a lot for he, Scotland can, as well. he can finish he's a good he is a good footballer um, again another kind of player that He's really massively underappreciated, but that those two goals, they weren't like, they weren't part of a plan. I don't think mm. it was like we need to do this right now. Like this, this hopefully this works. I just, I uh, yeah, I, I I think Chelsea look way more prepared than them. I know they've had a bad start, Chelsea, but I think that you know you can trust that the the ideas are being worked on and that there's going to be rough patches with Man United. I don't know what the long term goal looks like for them. I really don't. I don't know. I don't know what their long-term goal is. I guess, obviously, everyone is to be the best. But I don't know. It looks to me as if like they're, they're, they're winging it every day. That is, that I is the feeling. I can't figure them out. I just can't figure them out. Just chaotic. It's, it, and it's I, I just like, how good are those players? Like that yep. that back four, Delo, Maguire, Johnny... I don't want to make it about Maguire and Johnny Evans. Because obviously... And that's actually important to say. Injuries, you know... Injuries are a bit of a problem. But someone like... Varane, you you know he's probably going to get injured quite regularly, mm. and you know but that's so, the point. It's it's not about the individuals, and this is and I understand and I hear those United fans who are like, but we have to, you know, that player made made a bad mistake. Well, you know, you look at that goal they conceded against Brentford. It was like a Casemiro mistake led to a someone, you know, was it, and then Anana biscuit hands, you know, whatever. Like, of course yeah, you can go, you can go and yeah, and absolutely he has. But when you look at a essentially 10 years of the same thing happening. Yeah. You have to start going, okay, those individual things are happening, but you have to look up. You have to. It's. I, I think what they're missing in, in some... Um, sorry, and you're looking up... You're obviously, you're looking up above, just above a, the manager. Just above the manager, the exact yeah, okay, structure, yeah, yeah, the owners. Yeah, yeah. That that whole thing, you know, the, the, the players are... But do you know what? I, I heard someone saying that, like... You know, how I get it in terms of an overall culture and, like, the, the building blocks of... Having you know, getting the right personnel and it being a bit like FIFA, we're going. Well, he seems good. He seems good. Let's chuck them all together. But there is still a distance between the people at the top and the players. Surely, like, have you ever worked with a player going? Oh, she's not really happy with the ownership structure. Right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes, but and I and I hear that and like like should an honor have been better this season? Yes, like that that is also true. But if you're looking for, as a if I'm offering United fans advice, which I'm not, but you know if if, you're, if I'm a United fan, I'm I'm looking and going, yeah, I, I could spend my weekends getting annoyed at Scott McTominay and Casemiro and all these players, or I can start saying, how there's there's some common denominators here, and mm. I can look. Do you know what I feel like? It feels like a little bit like they need a dad. Mm. <laughs> it felt like sort of like Astralis Ferguson was kind of like a a father figure who could just go 
no son kind of thing right. and be like right here we go and I think you know the situation with Sancho it's to be fair from the briefings that we've seen it sounds as though the club are backing Ten Hag which is a great step in the right direction to start going you might have to have some crazy losses in the way that we did with like Ozil on 350k a week and Aubameyang to set to set a proper culture I agree you might have to you might have to step even further I think I think the problem is the expectations are so hard. I think I said last time, like the mo- two most famous institutions in the country, like the monarchy and Man United, the expectations are so high at Man- Manchester United that being anything out of the Champions League f- for more than one year is a disaster. It's yeah. a disaster. Yeah. But I think it might get to the point where you say, do you know what? You guys might have to be eighth for a couple of seasons just, just, to, just to reset and go again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought they'd kind of done that. But obviously, they, I like, don't, they, they have, clearly have the extent they right. need to. You want the uh, you want the, the trajectory to generally be going upwards. That's what happened. Barteta, this went from done pretty well last year. I mean, I know, it's collapsed. It's like that's not really what you want to see. You want to see it doesn't have to be the same, and every season's different. But the fact that it is. I just, I just think it's so ad hoc. I think it, it's so ad hoc. I think that's a that's a great way of putting it. And you don't. <clears throat> but I'm just going on who scored now, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are aware of who scored. And if you ever look at the squad list, <laughs> sorry, I'm just looking at it now. If you ever look at the squad list, like just say again, we were talking about Arsenal. You you could reel off the Arsenal team last year. You could say where everyone played, how they played, literally where you could pick them up, you could do it, and put them in the right spot. Yeah. So, for example, like defensive midfield this year, or, or centre backs. Martinez, Varane, Lindelof, Evans and Maguire have all played. Left back, Delow, Shaw, Reguilon, Amrabat, Lindelof. Close your eyes and try to picture what a May United goal looks like. You that's, can't. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah that's incredible. incredible. Well, it's, for me, it's like, has Fernandez done something? Or yeah. has yeah. Rashford has it, has beaten it, someone? Has there been a moment when Fernandez has found a bit of space and put an early ball in behind for someone to run onto? Probably Rashford and and finish mm. if that is what your go-to in your head is then you're probably struggling i love that that's so good close your eyes and can you picture it that's a great that's thing i love that good point. do it wherever you are right now <laughs> uh, unless but... you're driving <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> yeah crucially please don't do it um that's uh we can't get in trouble for that can we anyway uh, bournemouth's <laughs> next fixture will decide Iriola's future So who did Bournemouth sack to get Iriola in? Gary O'Neill. Who has eight points this season whilst Bournemouth are without a win? Gary O'Neill. Who do Bournemouth play next? Gary O'Neill's Wolves. If Bournemouth don't win this, it could get very, very ugly. The We spoke about the hipster lean a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and we're all at the start of the season, the pre-season. Oh, the hipster no. lean was, was Burnley and Bournemouth. They're going to finish 12th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alcott said. Yeah. Idiot. I mean, to be fair, there, there's... It's a good team there. They've got a good squad there. Mm. Israel has not been able to figure it out. And the next few games are Wolves and Burnley. Obviously, they just got pumped by Everton. And then they've got Man City and Newcastle after that. So if they fail to beat Wolves or Burnley, both at home, I think, Bournemouth will then most likely be 12 matches without a win. The broader thought I've got on this is I when Israel came in, I went, I get it. Like you're you're trying to be better. Mm. Um, you've got these players coming in. I think there's a lot of really exciting talent in that team. And to bring it to maybe an Arsenal kind of comparison, there the Ramsdale uh, David Raya thing. 
I would put Ramsdale as the Gary O'Neill here, right? And David Raya as the Iriola, right? I would say that Raya and Iriola are better. But for me, is it sometimes, well, or maybe in hindsight, certainly with the Bournemouth element at this point, is it the when you make those changes is uh, as important as if you want to make the change or not? Because he's come in, everyone's got excited about him. And uh, uh, there's a the, the, the lineup that he had against Everton was so naive. Mm. Like the midfield that he put out there, the centre midfield, would just got eaten up by Everton. Yeah. Uh, and he's getting, it feels like he's getting found out a little bit. He's struggling. Mm. I, uh, I, when they played us, I was... Re- I was played both. They played Tottenham and Arsenal. Yeah. So go on, yeah. What did I you... was really impressed with their bravery. I was like, I'm actually from Bournemouth, so I was like, go on, lads. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I was really impressed with how brave they were. I, look, I think at some point, what, in you a four nil defeat, though, right? Yeah, but they were, they were so brave. I mean, stupidly, let's be clear. But like, you know, <laughs> so that, like, another word for that's naive, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, look, what, what do you want to be as a club? I think you, you can't just think about the weekend. Same as United, it's like you can't just think about that. And I think uh, I was listening to is it Ben Bill Foley? Is that, is that the owner anyway? He's come in and he sounds like he wants... I think Michael B. Jordan's got like a, a little yeah. stake in him. They're, they're looking to the future. Look, the vitality is tiny. They're trying to find a place. You know, there's all this stuff in Camford Magna and, you know, in Bournemouth, there's loads of rumours about... Anyway, point being that they're trying to establish themselves as a top-level club. And at some point, I think I have to go, okay, who do we want to be? Like yeah. long-term, beyond this weekend, beyond next weekend, how do we approach this? And they went, right, well, this this year, there's a guy at Real Sociedad who's playing some unbelievable football. He's happy to come to the Premier League. We're going to put £100 million in. And after eight games, everyone's saying, no, 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 it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. It's like, this is going to take longer than that. And it might be that they have to go down, but they've got owners who are willing to invest and willing to invest and willing to invest. And if they're happy to go, look, this season, it might take some time to get that new style in, to get you know, to get some players in. They spent a lot of. Can you? I don't know if you've got it on yeah, there. Try, they spent a lot of money this this summer, yeah. and I think at some point, you know, it's like it's like I, I personally predicted. I think football clubs are getting smarter generally, and I think I, I predicted this season that all um, all for the first time, all three promoter clubs will go down because if you look at their um, transfer record in the summer. None of them went out and did a Nottingham Forest. They all went, mm. okay, we'll see how this goes. And we'll invest you know, a certain amount in young players who've still got potential, who can grow and can probably get us up. But we're not going to go and give 300 grand a week to someone, you know, mm. Jesse Lingard for no reason, right? So, I, and I think at some point, football clubs are thinking more, more, more and more to the future. They're not doing leads. Should we have spent so much in the past, but we lived the dream? Yeah. Like, it's it's jobs are on the line. The stakes are too high now to go and go and make ridiculous financial decisions. So on the uh, it's in sort of the short term. So in the long term, you have to think about your club culture and identity. And I think they might made the right decision. I just hope they don't bottle it and panic and get rid of Iriola. They, they, I think they've they've. Uh, it would be disrespectful to say they've copied Brighton, but I think a lot of clubs will look at that model. Of course, of and course. because the thing with Brighton is that it's the have they know, copied it too quickly? But, but they, uh, just briefly, sorry. Just, like I think what will happen. I know there'll be someone listening to this saying you'll be able to losing the weekend. Okay. But 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 what like who do you want to be in two years, five years, ten years? You've got as an exec structure, you have to think. If like you that. want, if you want to rip it up and to be something different, at some stage you have, you have to, to do it. You have to and eat the take the risk. Yes. And there's and, and only that. hindsight. Yes, absolutely. We'll say if it's absolutely. the right time or not. And I think look, they could, they could be absolutely fine. And and they're in a they're in a great season because I think they're in a league where 
the the promoted teams are struggling this year. So that might you know, and also having four teams are, they, and also haven't they had like a really difficult start in terms they of did. the teams they played really, fixtures? Yeah, they, you know, played both of you guys. I think they played uh, standing up for Bournemouth. Brentford as well. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just kind of putting the the discussion out there. I think it's about again, it's about when and how uh, how quickly you kind of do it. 127 million euros are spent, um, and the look, the players are kind of good there. But what what I see is. When you talk about Brighton, Brentford to a point as well, because Brentford, Brentford are a couple of seasons behind Brighton and they're trying to move it along and yeah. go to a back four and be a little bit more open. But I think you have to, the, the sort of softening that comes as you become more and more um, comfortable in the Premier League is a very dangerous thing to, to get right. And Brighton have done that so well because they, they, were, they were big and they were like, you know, who is it? I forgot his name. Like, um, the Irish guy, is it Duff and Duffy or... No, sorry, it was Duncan Duffy. Like you'd have those, like Glenn Murray up top. You know, uh, players who kind of will take those moments for you. But overall, you're you're tight and resolute. Brentford have been that and are yeah. gently gently getting there. I the only thing I would wonder, and I'm not saying this is correct, and we'll see it come out in the wash. Have Bournemouth kind of opened up a little bit too quick, too early? I think what they've got is that what they don't have. Sorry, is that they don't have that one player just to get out of jail free card as they're mm. trying to reinvent themselves. They don't have that one player that if the game is nil-nil or one-nil to a position where it's like he'll get us out of it, mm. whatever it might be, 12 to 15 goals a year. It could be creating a moment. They've got good players. Like Solanke is a fantastic footballer, but for me, he's more of a facilitator to a, a team playing better than a, a, a I'm the man kind of guy. Yeah. And I think they have a lot of players like that that are really good facilitators, perhaps aren't the ones that will be like, I will go and get us the points here. And I think when you've got that, when you don't have that, sorry, and then you're also quite open as you're changing this approach, you can lead to being run over quite a lot. And it can be very difficult to dog out points. And the and the hard thing for the for the club is to not panic because it's very easy to it's easy for people on the outside to say don't panic. Yeah, but they're the ones that it's, it's millions and millions that is at stake here. And you know you might there's no guarantee of coming back up again if you do get relegated. And you just got to get your clauses right. Because, yeah. I mean, Bourne have actually like, taken a couple of Leeds United players because it's, yeah. you know, they're kind of available to them. I mean, maybe that's, that's what kind of happens is that you sort of get caught in that your sort of yo-yo cycle and that can feel like a negative thing, but actually it can be quite, um, it can be smart. As, yeah. You know, as long as you are, because there is a difference between those, those teams at the top of the championship and the rest of us. It's like it's outrageous. Yeah. So, so if they were to go down, they had the sa- pretty much the same squad. Then that's they, pretty pretty they, awesome. They have the parachute payments, and and all, I would encourage everyone to go listen to the owner because he's he's there for the long term. Man. Mm. He's there thinking, look, okay, I, 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 I'm sure wouldn't say, you know, it's fine if we go down, but yeah, I'm yeah, sure he thinks it's a possibility. Yeah. And then we'll just invest and go back up. A couple of ripples to finish off with. That's all right, guys. Uh, the bottom three being so bad will mean that the Premier League is more competitive than ever next season. If the newly promoted teams and Bournemouth continue to struggle heavily, it could mean that a lot of teams that should have gone down will stay up with time to spare this season. Everton, Forest, and Wolves could be huge beneficiaries of this because they will be able to plan for next season earlier than anticipated. With the way that Forrest are recruiting, they could be unlikely outsiders for the top eight next season if they're able to plan properly. Everton would also be playing their first season in the new stadium in the Premier League, which is absolutely huge. And it would also help them get uh, a new ownership on board. Financially, it's massive for Wolves too if they stay up given their current circumstances. Do you, how, do, have you given up on the promoted teams a little bit? No. In terms of staying up? 
what are you because obviously like you know played Luton they could they weren't you kind of kept them at arm's length quite easily I don't see where I, the I, goals are coming I from think I think Luton go down just for that they just don't have the same level of quality as the rest now anything can happen you know I think they're a really well coached team generally speaking you know they they perhaps I think they've perhaps lost a bit of their way this year in terms of like I think they've just been so eager to give themselves the best chance of staying in the Premier League they've gone to almost like just like block everything out we can and, and, you know, just survive. And I think they just haven't got the, they're not good enough to survive that. Yeah. I think their understanding of the, the ebb and flow of uh, yeah. the financials of football. So they're not, they don't want to kind of mm. overstretch too much. They want to bank as much as they can. Yeah. They want to, yeah, they, 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 they the think their well. best chance of staying up is to just like dog it out. Yeah. Proper dog it out. Um, I don't know. But then again, having that way of playing, it just takes, I mean, they've got like a few, cheat codes themselves like a, a deep ball to the back post where Morris is and big lads to, to and that's there's nothing wrong with that no. you know and you can it, it doesn't actually take that much to completely turn it you know if if Luton like let's say I don't know who they've got but let's say in the next five games let's say they pick up I don't know five six seven points or two wins maybe who knows like all of a sudden and then a team above them loses four games in a row all of a sudden it is caught back up again it's so early in the season yeah so I'm not writing any of them off yet okay. um but I if I if, if you had to ask me now like who do I think is going to go down it probably would be the the three that have been promoted the Sheffield United I I still feel like as much as Luton have a chance I think Sheffield United have it feels so ugly but that eight, if you take that eight nil away, which I've seen, or even half that eight nil, <laughs> in terms of the goal di- goal difference, that puts them, you know, in that group with Burnley, Bournemouth, Everton, and I think Brentford have got so many injuries right now. I think they've been a little bit unlucky here and there, um, and Wolves. Are st- I think Wolves are a netto injury away from being in a huge trouble as well. Mm. He seems to be the difference maker for them. So I think it is kind of still up for grabs. I wouldn't be surprised though. If those if those guys d- did go down, and I, what I'm always interested in is the gaps. So like, I feel like that that gap, that gap between um, the Championship and the Premier League, you have sort of depending on the cycle of of who comes up and when they come up. So Bournemouth, for example, went down for two seasons, went back up. Fulham down, up. Norwich went down and up, but didn't spend or didn't press the button to spend enough. Mm. Bournemouth did actually spend more than people realise and it was enough to keep them up. Forrest did the exact same. So th- there is, because there is this gap, there is this like kind of launch pad that you have to, of financially, of financial risk that you have to kind of brave mm. and then hope to hell that you kind of, kind of get away with it. Obviously those parachute payments are there. But it just, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like there's, if th- exactly what's what we're saying here in terms of those guys going down again, what you may see is a new gap between the four, the bottom four, and one will be one team that's really struggling, and the three promoted teams each year. Could be a quality, mm-hmm. it could be a qualitative gap in the sense that you know, didn't Bournemouth sign like Cliver or something? You know, yeah, Cl- yeah. Like the, the, it's, that's another thing with Bournemouth. A lot of those players haven't played much. Sangare's gone to Forest. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. so you know that that yeah. I think I think the 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 difficulty is the Premier League can attract something so incredible that the Championship can't you know yeah. so that gap is is very difficult even though it's only a few places actually yeah really. yeah and uh, to finish off you made a great point um about everyone's in the title race until it's mathematically yeah 
proven. I think I think he said Luton's going to win it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was just after he said Harlem was washed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, speaking of which, and I, I've put this on every platform that I'm on. Um, oh, yeah. Chelsea are not out of the woods yet. <laughs> I've literally done this on everything. Chelsea's tough around the fixtures. I'm trying to manifest this. We'll see a future... Future. Actually, this is not the one I'm talking about. First of all, Chelsea aren't out of the woods in terms of relegation. They could go down. It's not going to happen, but you never know. But a Chelsea's, Chelsea's tough run of fixtures... I mean, could they? I mean, could they? <laughs> uh, we'll see a future England star emerge. Chelsea now have three wins on the bounce in all competitions, two in the Prem. But their fixture run could ruin all of the good work that they put in. The next fixtures are Arsenal, Brentford, West London Derby, sort of. <laughs> I mean, it's Middlesex. Tottenham, Man City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United... That Man United Chelsea game, we said it last week on the podcast. That could it's be, be an absolute chaos. Full of negativity. Yeah. Uh, but one player that could emerge victorious here is uh, Cole Palmer. He scored his mm. first Premier League goal at the weekend, and the ripple effect of that goal could be the confidence to keep the momentum going and keep him in the side. Final thoughts on not not Chelsea because I, I just want to enjoy can, the can possibility I, of their relegation. Can I ask Harry a question? I'm really interested. Yes, yes. Is it about Cole Palmer? It is about Cole it, All right, that saves me asking Do I have go. to answer it? Yeah, <laughs> briefly. Yeah. Well, I'm firstly interested in what you think of Cole Palmer because also Pochettino has been very complimentary of yeah. him this week. And secondly, I do want to ask, from an individual basis, is there a two, two players, is there a player at a top club that you think is saved by the system and you think it, you know, possi- wow. possibly like they're not as good as the, the coach makes them, okay. makes them out to yeah, be. Yeah. And then from an individual basis, is there anyone at a, a lower the, club, the, the inverse essentially, the who is better than the system is showing them to be? Wow. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's killed you there, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's probably killed me there. Like, yeah, give me five minutes, five hours. Uh, yeah, no, in terms of Cole Palmer, I think someone sent me a tweet of my own actually that I put out two, two years ago, two, three years ago and he's, I said he was the real deal. Um, if you He's... do that once a day, that'll come back. That always comes yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, they, I said that uh, without fast. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. But um, <laughs> I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, I think he's really good. He's just got that ability in the final third to create space as well as exploit space in a variety of ways. He can do it through a ball carry. He can do it with a threaded pass. He can do it where he cuts in and smashes yeah. it into the far post. He's... He's right, just nice little dollop of arrogance there. Right? Yeah, in a yeah, in a really good yeah, way. He can he, he can carry it both sides. I think he's I think he's I think he's one of those that a, a Chelsea attack this year before him was quite stodgy. It was like one, two, dirt, 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 dirt. And now he's just that connector to make it f- uh, that little bit more fluid. Yeah. And now all of a sudden Sterling's life will become easier. Broyo's life will become easier if he plays. Mudrick's life will become easier. Palmer will make the rest of that front line, the rest of the team, play better with him on the pitch. They've got so few players that want to play in between the lines. And yeah. he's one of the few, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I think he's I think he's got, the system should really suit him. Yeah. Terms. But he, they bought him very late, didn't they? It's funny, isn't it? Was he, is he the final piece of the... Pa- it could be a time. <laughs> um, guys, we've got... <laughs> I want to... I Sorry, you've got another question. No, no, the, no, the, the one that I didn't answer. I, so I, I was trying to get you out of it. I, know, right, yeah, I know. asked about yeah. 24 questions. I know, that is... Have you got one? Uh, there is one of those where I know for a fact, right, the one, the inverse, yeah. Sancho. Sancho. Sancho is being set up to fail. But listen, sorry, no, that's a bad thing to say. He is, he is of... No, 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 every, it's the title, it's the title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, every, every player can take charge of their own career. But what I would say is Sancho was picked up and thrown into a team that completely misused him and misunderstood what he was and didn't put the pieces in him. He's never been a player that is, I'm the man, I want to go do it and get the ball and drive past players and finish like people thought he was. He's a connecting player. To be a connecting player in the final third, you need people around you that's going to play the triangles with and the, and, the, and find the gaps. And 
You know, he's actually, for me, he's one of the coolest players in the world in the final third. He never loses composure. Yeah. He is, that goal he scored against Liverpool last year, similar to the Jackson one, actually, looks going to go one way. Most players would think, I'm in the box, chance to score, da da da. And he's like, no problem, I'm just going to turn back that way. All the defence goes slide down mm. the way and just looks in. It, it, that's him. So I think he, he is the inverse. In terms of the one that's being made to be better than the... I, I honestly right now can't think. I'm sure there is, but I can't at the moment think I of think that. Well. Andy Robson. <coughs> Sorry. Oh. Andy Robson. Andy Robson. I'm not wow. elaborating. Okay. Oh. Interesting. Wow. Um, expect some tweets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll enjoy that. Guys, amazing. We could have gone for another hour, I reckon, quite easily. Um, but fortunately, we will be going on for another hour because we're going to do a whole fascinating podcast with Dr. Rajpal about uh, the the next generation and if they're going to get ruined hopefully they won't but uh, we've got some concerns so uh, make sure you check that out check out all the other great podcasts on this podcast give the it Ripple five effect. stars for give it five stars. Right, I'm sick of saying it hey, I didn't promote any other podcasts this time uh, so, so right <laughs> yeah go find Alex the different knock search uh, find his YouTube channel uh, you've got a Patreon that you, he pushes it all the time it seems all very the time. good as well great podcast on there as well so make sure you check him out but Alex is going to stick around for this next podcast as well Harry would you like to push anything any tweets where you, well if, God, maybe Twitter because if you want to get coached by Harry do you, I mean, you want to be yeah do you need coaching I, I genuinely don't know what my Twitter handle is right now <laughs> isn't it HB coach <laughs> or something like that we'll find Thank it you. it'll be in the description it'll yeah the my description. name's Harry Brooks I don't know how many of them are out there in the world yeah, so I'm going to just stick that into yeah. okay. uh, right guys yes uh, thanks for listening have a great day week, evening morning or whatever it may be and we'll speak soon 